So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be at the very end of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. Like I said, we're kind of ending our series here to there. We've been going through and studying the book of Joshua, watching Joshua lead God's people from the wilderness all the way into the promised land. And even once they crossed the river, they got into the promised land. They've had problems throughout the promised land still, but they're there. And now we're wrapping up and we're going to see how Joshua begins to wrap up even his life. But before we do that, I have some, some news, another, I don't know if exciting stuff. I'm super excited about our next gen stuff opening up. Very excited about October. This next part, I mean, I'm growing in excitement with, and if you follow me on social media, you knew this was gonna happen today. You knew I couldn't make it a Sunday without sharing it, because this has been years in the making. I'm looking at my two boys that are sitting right here. This has been years in the making, and finally, Jesus doesn't lose battles, but I most certainly do. And I lost this battle last weekend, and we officially got our first dog. That's not the time to clap. There's going to be plenty of amens and everything. Oh, yeah, there you go. So there's my three kids, Connor, Colin, Collins, and yes, we named him Cooper. Yes. Why we do that to ourselves, I have no idea why. But we are super excited. It has been fun so far. We are all, literally, we are eight days into this, and uh, my boys will tell you, it's a lot of work, isn't it, guys? It's a ton of work, and that's why whenever they would ask, well, when can we have a dog? When can we have a dog? Everybody else has a dog. Why can't we have a dog? I kept saying, well, like, we can get a dog, but it's a lot of work. There's a lot of responsibility that goes into having a dog. It's not like, oh, we're so tired of it. Like, let's give it away. No, <laughs> like he's with us. He's part of our family. So it's been, it's been interesting as a parent trying to teach, yes, we can make that choice. Like that, honestly, that's an easy choice to make, right? We can find a dog. We can, we can get a dog, but oh, the responsibility that comes with it. I didn't want to make the choice without talking about the responsibility, not saying the responsibility should keep us from the choice. Like as a parent, you understand that, right? Kids, it's, it's, as your parents ever told you, it's a big responsibility. Have they ever told you like, it's your responsibility? Like those are common phrases in our home and we see similar language in how Joshua is leading God's people, saying there's a choice, but there's also responsibility. And each and every one of us online in the room, every single one of us, we have the choice to choose how we live our lives. Absolutely. Right? No one's going to make those choices for you. How you live your life is your choice. But, what's that other word? Responsibility. But so is the responsibility. So you can make whatever choices you want to make in life. But then it's your responsibility to to not just live with those choices, but to follow through with those choices. There's, there's consequences with those choices, good and bad consequences. Like there's a responsibility that always comes with choice. Choice is a great thing. We love having choice. We want independence. We grow up desiring independence. We teach our kids to be independent, but that responsibility is still there. The cost of our choices is responsibility. And what we see at the very end of Joshua's life, that's that life truth he's trying to get through to God's people. You have a choice to make, but don't forget about your responsibility. There's a choice in front of you that you will have to make. Don't miss out on your responsibility as well. 
the phrase that Joshua uses is pretty common. I mean, you, if you've even not heard this at church, I'm sure you've seen this at Hobby Lobby at least. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, the end part of verse 15, you've heard this before. But as for me and my house, we will, what is it? We will serve the Lord. Yes, you've seen it on plaques, you've seen it on coffee mugs, you've seen it in people's homes, and it's a great decoration. It's also a great declaration of here's who we are as a family. Here's the choice we're making as a family. But we're going to talk about the responsibility that comes with that. When we say yes, here's what happens. When we say no, here's the road that leads us down. Like I said earlier, my hope and my prayer is that you would hear from God's word and there would be some yeses made today. That there are choices that are in front of you right now that maybe have been, you've been saying no, not yet, not ready, maybe, maybe later, I'm still thinking about it. My prayer is that there's some yeses made today. So even though that's a pretty famous passage, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, you gotta back up and understand in the context of Joshua speaking those words, the choice that he's made for him and his, for he and his household. The very beginning of chapter 24, like I said, this is the end of Joshua's life. As you've been reading through Joshua, through our here to there reading plan, you've seen all the ups and the downs and the battles and all the miracles, like incredible things have happened through Joshua's life. It's now the end of his life, and this is his farewell speech. So the very beginning of the first 13 verses of chapter 24 is Joshua as an old man getting the entire nation of Israel together and saying, man, it's been a road, hasn't it? It's been a journey. And in fact, he goes back and reminds the Israelites of this journey that God's had them on all the way back to Abraham. Tells them all the things that God had promised, all the things that God had done, all the things that they did, the good and the bad. And he finally gets to where they are today. He says, man, I'm not gonna be here forever. This is his final speech, his farewell speech to the nation of Israel after he reminds them of what God has done and how God has led them and where God has led them. Verse 14, here comes the choice. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Circle or highlight all faithfulness. We're gonna talk about that here in just a second. He says, throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, because you do have a choice, then choose for yourselves this day, today, not tomorrow, stop waiting, make a choice. It says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There's a funny little line in there. Did you catch the funny part? You didn't catch it because you didn't laugh, so let me, let me point it out to you. Here's the funny part. So he's giving them a choice, right? You can choose who you're gonna serve. Me and my family, we're gonna serve the Lord, but you've gotta choose. If you wanna choose these gods over here, if you wanna choose these gods over here, and he gives a little, uh, a little moment. He says, choose who you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors before the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. In other words, or the gods of the people that used to be where you're at. In other words, it didn't work out so well for them. Who's God won? Which God won that battle? Wink, wink, wink. But as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. He says, there's a choice here for you, isn't there? 
Notice that phrase. He said, I want you to fear the Lord. Now understand fear. We've talked about this a few times. It's not, ooh, be scared of God. It's have reverence towards God. Recognize God's place and your place. That God is almighty. That God is great. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is the creator of all things. Oh, man, that makes me want to, like, tremble a little bit. It should. That's that worshipful response of reverence. That's the fear the Lord. That's understanding the lordship and kingship of God. So he says, understand who God is. Yes, fear the Lord, have reverence towards the Lord, and serve him with all faithfulness. So another word that describes that phrase, wholeheartedly. Fear the Lord and give your whole heart to God. Your whole heart. See, and he goes on and he talks about these other gods and these false gods and and even that idea of idols. Joshua spends a good amount of time in his farewell speech talking about idols and a warning against idols. No, it's give your whole heart to God and throw away those idols. Put your entire emphasis and your focus and your attention on God and remove the idols in your life. See, that's what idols do. Idols take the place of something else. And understand, we're not talking about bad things necessarily. That would be sin. Idols are any item, anything, anything can become an idol. It all depends on the placement of that thing. So I have, a, I have an item with me. This is my son Cole's favorite item. I asked my, ask my kids, hey, what's like your favorite stuffy? What's your favorite toy? Like what's your favorite item that you have? And so Cole went and got me uh, Pouncer the Frog, which is his name. Everybody say, hey, Pouncer the Frog. So there's Pouncer. And, and Pouncer's a, not, a, not a bad toy. He's a, he's a great stuffed animal. He's a great pal of, of my son Cole. But this little, this little item, Pouncer can become an idol all based on the placement that he has in our lives. So right now he has the place of a stuffed animal, right? We, we, know, we know he's not gonna do anything for us. We know he's not gonna provide for us. We're not overly thankful for Pouncer. Like we're glad he's in our lives, sort of, uh, but there, there's not much to him, right? But, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with my kid carrying around Pouncer with him because he also has a place. And the right place for Pouncer is as a stuffed animal of my son's, not the Lord of his life. Can we all agree on that? Pouncer's a great stuffed animal. He's a terrible king. Pouncer's a great stuffed animal. He's a terrible lord. Pouncer's a great stuffed animal, but he is a horrible savior. Pouncer is a wonderful stuffed animal, but he has a specific place. So I want you to just start thinking through the things of your life. And again, we're not talking sin here. We're talking about good things. Jobs, money, talking about influence, status, talking about relationships, exercise, hobbies. Man, you could go through a list of all of the items in your life, and that item, if wrongly placed, becomes an idol. And that's what Joshua's helping his people, God's people understand is there are some items in your life that are not necessarily terrible, but, but they've taken the place of God. Please understand, there is only one top spot in your heart, period. There is one top spot in your heart. And like Joshua was saying, you get to choose what goes there. Your choice. Are you going to choose to put God, the fear of the Lord, that God, the one that created all things, the one that's provided for you, remember everything? He's reminding them what I said earlier, all that God has done and led you through. 
Is he going to have that top spot in your heart? Or are you going to allow another thing to take his place? He's cautioning them. But he's also saying, you still have a choice. You better choose. Choose this day. Who will you serve? Then he makes the choice for himself, doesn't he? Again, the famous line, as for me and my house, we're going to have some items. We're going to have some things. But no other thing is going to be above God for us. God will be that top spot in our hearts at all times. Now, that's important. We had to talk about idols because this next part, Joshua's going to lean in even more so. So I want you to be thinking, what are some of those items? What maybe are some of those idols? And I know when we say idols, it feels like a super churchy word, and it kind of is. But there are things in each of our lives that's taking more attention, taking more time, taking more of our money, taking more of our things. Right? If, if all Cole did was walk around constantly and talk about Pouncer, then I would start to get a little worried. If Pouncer literally went everywhere with him, I'd start to get a little bit concerned. If Pouncer was all things to him, yes, I would begin to have a problem with it. The things in your life are not a problem unless they become the thing. And they take the top spot in your heart. So that's what Joshua's getting. He's like, you're going to have to make a choice. So the people come back after they hear Joshua's talk real quick. They come back and says, no, no, no. We definitely are going to serve the Lord. Joshua, we're going to make the choice like you. We're going to have in our home the same decision. We're making the choice. We will serve the Lord. Joshua comes back and says, hang on a second. Let's make sure you know what you are choosing. Because again, with every choice, there's also a responsibility. So Joshua says, I need you to understand the choice that you are now making. This is a lifelong choice. It's not a today sounds like a good day to follow God. It's today and for the rest of your lives. And then the Israelites come back a second time, verse 21, and they reiterate that commitment again. Verse 21, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves so that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Verse 23, now then, Joshua said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. He leans in again. Joshua says, here's your choice. Choose this day, make a decision, either these gods or the God. Are these going to take the place of God, or is God going to be in the top spot of your hearts for the rest of your lives? And no, we don't do that perfectly, but there is a heart posture there that he's referring to. The Israelites come back and say, no, no, we'll definitely serve the Lord. We're all in. And Joshua says, okay, verse 23, hear it again. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you, get rid of the idols, so to speak, and yield your hearts to the Lord. So now he tells them, here's what that looks like. So if you're telling me you're making that choice, if you're saying yes to following God wholeheartedly, that he's your Lord, that he's your king. Now as, as believers of New Testament Christians, we say that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. He is king of our lives and he is the Savior of our lives. So if you're telling me that he's got the top spot in my heart, Joshua's words, final words to the Israelites, and I think they apply to us today as well, is throw away the idols and yield your heart towards God. Those two things. And we could spend the rest of our lives doing those two things. Once we say yes to following him, yeah, 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 we're going to serve him. We're going to serve him with all faithfulness and wholeheartedly. We will spend the rest of our lives figuring out the throw away the idols and the yield your hearts to him. That word, that phrasing there, throw away, when he talks about the idols, 
the, uh, the word there is referring to like getting rid of completely. Literally, it would read either destroy, throw away, or turn off completely. Completely remove these from that top spot of your life. I don't know about you um, and your family, but in my family, there's always some constant battles. One of them is with the thermostat. That's another sermon. We're not going to go into that one today. The other one is with the lights in our house, right? It's either too bright or it's too dark, and, and one kid wants this, and the other kid wants that. One spouse wants it like this, and the other spouse wants it like that. And so the wonderful minds that God has given us gave wonderful people a brilliant idea where you can somehow meet in the middle. It's not just on and off. It's now you can dim things, can't you? Oh, and this has saved marriages. Amen to that one. It's like, okay, okay, you want it on, I want it off. We're going to kind of meet in the middle. And, and, and things get a little bit more smooth in your life and in your home. But here's the problem. Yes, the dimmer switch radically saved marriages. It's the epitome of compromise. Here's the problem. We try to apply that to our relationship with God, though where we've got some things that are full on in our lives, those idols, those items that have taken God's spot, and they are shining bright in our lives because, and we know this, because that's where our time goes. That's what we talk about. Even right now, start to inventory. What do I spend most of my time thinking about? What takes up a lot of my conversations? Where is my money going to? What am I spending my extra time on? What keeps me up at night? What am, all of those kinds of questions are going to show you what is shining brightest in your heart and in your life. And so we read a passage like this. You come to a church service like this where the pastor is telling you out of Scripture, well, we need to turn off these idols in our life. We need to remove some of those items and put them in their place. And we're like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. How about that? Is that a little bit better? God, God you wanted me to adjust my life. I totally did. I went, I went 50% in. That's pretty good. That's a good compromise, isn't it, God? I mean, I know what you're wanting. That seems a little ridiculous. That's, that's asking a lot. That's a pretty high expectation. So how about I meet you halfway, God? I'll, I'll bring it down a little bit, and we should just call that even, right? See, the things in our life, we, we don't just turn off. We like to just fade them down a little bit. I know I've got some things that have taken that top spot in my heart, and, and God, I'm I don't know if I can totally turn them off. I need them to be a little bit more, more bright in this season, maybe. So I tell you what, how about right now we leave it like this, and a little bit later, then I can do this. During the week, I've got to be full on these things. I've got to focus. And then Sunday, okay, we'll back off a little bit. I'll give you some of that. But Monday morning, I've got to be back. Like, that tends to be the ebb and flow of our walk with Jesus, doesn't it? We fade things back a little bit. Oh, but then they take, spot, they take the spot from God again. How many top spots do we have in our heart? One. That's why Joshua is saying, no, it's not like turn them down. He says, turn them completely off. Let them be in their place. Now understand, we're not saying throw away pouncer. That's not the goal here. We're not gonna throw them away. We are going to put them in the right spot, in the right place, because no other thing, no other item can take that top spot of our heart. That's what Joshua is pleading with his people. It's not just, oh, like you've got your false gods that you kind of pay attention to sometimes. He's like, no, nothing can ever take the place of God. So he says, throw away 
the idols, the foreign gods that are among you. Turn off the idols in your life. Those are some good things in your life, but they aren't good enough to be in top spot. Turn them off. The brightest light in your heart, the brightest light in your life is that of Jesus Christ, period. Yes, have, have your work and have your hobbies and, and have those things, but have them in their right place. Jesus even mentions this, and it's not even alluding to it. He's pretty, pretty blunt. Matthew chapter 6, he says, you cannot serve two masters, period. You cannot serve two masters. So if we are going to serve the Lord with all of our hearts, wholeheartedly, with all faithfulness, we cannot serve more than one. It's either on or off. It's not a little bit of both. Who will you serve? It's the question Joshua is asking. It's the question we need to wrestle with as well. Who will you serve? Jesus says this, his words in John chapter 14. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Not kind of, not a little bit, not part of, not mostly, not majority. I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Period. There's no fader in there, is there? Well, what about this situation and in this season or what about or maybe if? He says, no, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's all on or it's all off. Turn off the idols in your life. Let them be there, but let them be in the right place so that God always has the top spot in your heart. So that was the first part. Now the second part of verse 23 says, throw away these idols, turn off the idols in your life and yield your hearts to the Lord. Yield your hearts. The idea there is to, is to move us out of the way and to strain and to reach and, and to stretch towards God, right? It's not passive, it's very active. When you yield, you're making a conscious decision to move out of the way, to allow God to take first spot, and then to chase after him, to keep moving. This is not stop, right? Think of a yield sign. You yield, you let him go, but then you keep going. You merge with him and you stay aligned with his heart. It's that idea of, again, stretching and reaching for him. And so often we fail to stretch our hearts towards God. Are any of you at that place in your life? You don't have to raise your hands. I'll probably know you're the 930 crowd so I can watch you guys come in. Those of you that need to stretch in the morning before you get moving, there's some of you, right? I'm in that category. If I don't stretch in the morning, if I don't kind of do the morning stretches, this is what kind of happens. You kind of do one of these. You do the non-stretch shuffle to start moving around and then and you're like, okay, I can't do that all day. So then you start stretching, you do one of these, Right, some of you are like, I actually forgot to stretch, that feels pretty good, right? When you stretch, it does something for you. It gets you ready for the movement of the day, doesn't it? And when you stretch, if you're trying to grow and you're trying to stretch your muscles, you're, you're focused and you lean out as far as you can and there's something that happens when we do that with our hearts towards God. When we stretch our heart towards God, it gets us ready for the movement he is making in our lives that day. 
So here Joshua is saying, yes, turn off the idols of your life. Make sure everything is in the right place. And then continually, daily, stretch your heart towards God. Because if you fail to stretch your heart towards God, you're going to become inflexible, immovable, and rigid. May that not be what defines our relationship with Jesus. Where I'm constantly, as someone who is hoping to stretch their heart towards God, may we constantly say, whatever you want, God wherever you want to lead me, however you want to move, whatever my here to there looks like today, it requires stretching to get in that place because God will continue to move and God will continue to lead you, but we have to be stretching our hearts towards God and be focused and to reach out towards him so that as he moves, we are flexible enough, able enough, willing enough to move with him. The ultimate description of what stretching your heart towards him looks like is when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Everything about us, everything reaches towards him, stretches towards him. Everything. So put the things of your life in their right place reach towards him. Stretch your heart towards God. That's Joshua's final words to the people that God allowed him to lead for that season. The very end says, after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That was the end of Joshua's journey here on earth. An incredible journey from here to there. And he died. Now, there's something interesting that we read in verse 29 that if you were here several weeks ago when we started this, if you were to go back to chapter 1, when we're first introduced, really, to Joshua as the leader of God's people, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses' aid. Oh, did you, did you see a difference there? Chapter 1 it's Moses' servant. It's Moses' aide. It's Moses' assistant. But by the time we get to chapter 24, Joshua's talked about slightly differently. Still Joshua, same name, son of Nun, same family. But in chapter 24, he is called the servant of the Lord. I cannot think of a better way to be described at the end of my life. It wasn't Joshua, son of Nun, who conquered Jericho, who crossed a river on dry ground, who saw a miracle of the sun standing still. I mean, we could go through the story from here to there for Joshua, and there could have been so many other things that could have defined or described Joshua's life, and instead, that one phrase, servant of the Lord, is how he was described. And I think it's because he applied to his life what he was trying to get the Israelites to apply to their lives. To fear the Lord and to serve him wholeheartedly. To turn off the idols in your life and to stretch your heart towards God. And Joshua spent a lifetime, not perfectly, but doing his best to live those out. And at the end of his days, was called a servant of the Lord. It's interesting to see how different leaders in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament kept saying and desiring the same thing. 
So if we were to go back to Deuteronomy, the end of Moses' life before Joshua, Moses, and in his farewell speech, said almost the exact same thing. He said, I set before you today a decision. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, and then you will live and increase. He says, now choose life. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And Moses continues. That's Moses' farewell speech in Deuteronomy 30. Joshua's farewell speech. Oh, that you would fear the Lord, that you would love him and serve him wholeheartedly, that you would turn off the idols in your life and that you would stretch your heart towards God. Now, I am by no means at the end of my life, but I would say something very similar to you as well. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. But the choice is yours. The decision is yours. I said earlier that I was hoping and praying there would be a lot of yeses today. We all have the choice. And yes, there's always a responsibility that goes with it. The choice is, is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? That's the first choice. And if you say yes to that for the first time or again and again and again as a, as a reminding yourself of, yes, I am making this decision today. Yes, he is still my Lord. Yes, he is still my Savior. Then we spend the rest of our lives continuing and learning to say yes. The prayer of a servant is a very simple prayer. Lord, Savior, Jesus, my answer to you is yes, period. Once he's our Lord and he's our savior, once we say yes to him, then we continue to learn to say yes every moment of every day. Yes to follow, yes to listen, yes to speak up, yes to be quiet, yes to go and yes to stay, yes to serve, yes to give, yes to get baptized today at four o'clock, yes to treat others with love, yes to extend grace. Yes, to forgive and be forgiven. Yes, to be patient. Yes, to choose joy. Yes, to have self-control. We could go through a list of yeses that we will learn and fail at and keep learning to say yes to. But that's the life of a servant of the Lord, is a life of saying yes to Jesus. That's my heart for you. And whether you're at home or, or here in the room, every single Sunday you show up and I have the privilege of telling you, here's what I've been reading in God's word and here's what he's been doing in my heart and in my life. But can I, I mean, at the end of the day, I just want that for you. I want you to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And I want you to spend the rest of your life learning to say yes in every other situation and in every other choice. And it's hard to figure out which one's a yes and what's he really asking me and what does yes look like in this. And man, that's why we wanna be here as a church and as your pastor to help you walk through this. By no means am I Joshua, but I feel the weight that Joshua felt. Oh, that you would choose this, because I know where it'll lead you. Oh, that you would choose life, as Moses said. Oh, that you would fear the Lord and that you would serve him with all of your heart. That's my desire for you. 
But that's not the important thing, is not me. That's what your Lord wants from you. He desires a yes relationship with you. Let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, we come before you. And I just pray our answer is yes. Whatever questions are coming up in our minds, whatever questions are coming up in our heads, whatever, whatever situations we're thinking of right now, may our answer to you just simply be yes. We may not fully understand. We might not totally get it. We might not even agree with it. But can our answer to you be yes? And we will spend the rest of our life figuring out how to live out yeses for you. First and foremost, it begins with a yes as you as our Lord and our Savior. May we start there. Yes, Lord, we are sinners. Yes, Lord, we need you. Yes, Lord, we need your forgiveness and your love and your grace. Yes, Lord, we are thankful that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Yes, Lord, we believe that his crucifixion took our sins away as far as the east is from the yes. Yes, we believe that Jesus died for me and for every other person. Yes, we believe that he did not stay dead. And yes, we believe that he came back to life three days, came back to life three days later. Yes, we believe that he walked among us. Yes, we believe that he's now up in heaven. And yes, we believe that he sent his spirit to dwell in our hearts and to lead and to guide us. And yes, we believe in you. And yes, we believe that you are leading us today. Jesus, we say yes. Whatever you put on the table, may our answer be yes.